You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You ever have those moments where you feel like God speaks to you when you're doing the same thing? Like, you, like annually you may do something and you feel like God speaks to you. And Christmas time for me is one of those moments. And it happens through one of the tradition traditions that we have. And anyone got any family traditions that you do? Like around birthdays or Easter or whatever it is. And I, I love traditions. I love Amanda and I have been very intentional about what we're going to do in terms of creating moments and memories with our family. And we do a bunch of stuff around Christmas time. One of the things we do around Christmas time is on Christmas Eve, after our Christmas Eve services, everyone always gets one present. And the present is always Christmas pajamas. Everyone, same thing, Christmas pajamas. It's the pajamas for your Christmas night and your Christmas day. And my wife, Amanda, um, is a Christmas fanatic and starts planning at about August for Christmas. Um, And this year we had Sesame Street themed pajamas. If you came to our house, every one of us was in some form of Sesame Street themed pajamas. I banned the kids from any type of photos just in case they got onto social media. So they are off, so don't even try and bribe them for them. But even I had my Sesame Street pajamas on. And then in the morning, what we do is we normally wake up and the kids do stockings. Um, and then we go to church, and when we come, we're those parents. We wait for the kids to open their presents until we come home from church because we normally have to be there so early. This year, the stocking thing got a bit hijacked because my son got this uh, first thing in the morning for Christmas. Um, his name is Hunter. He's our new dog. I said to her, if we're going to have feminine dogs, they're going to have masculine names. Uh, so his name is Hunter, and he is eight weeks old. And destroying my life right now. But take that down before I get mad. Um, so we, we normally do that. And then one of the things that I started about, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, and how old's my son? Nine. Maybe six years ago, um, I started buying a big Lego set. Those of you who have heard me speak before know that my son has a real problem. Um, he's got an addiction to Lego that I just feed. I'm an enabler, by the way. I just enable. the. We're both in therapy over it. Um, But one of the things that I love to do is I buy a big Lego set that he and I, he and I, I buy it for us, um, that we build together on Boxing Day. Um, And I've done that for six years and you go into his room and up on his shelf, there's the six things over the last six years that that we've built. And and this happens to be this year's one. This is what I bought him this year. It's a Ninjago car. It's real cool. It's got like a spinny thing underneath and you can shoot stuff out of it. It's got a toolkit in the back. It's like every man's dream. Um, I'm trying to figure out where I buy one of those and get rid of my Hyundai and get one of these, which would be way cooler. Um, but we start building it. But But I, at this point, when I build this with my son, I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to me every year. It has done for about five years. Because inevitably, Judah's getting a bit better now, but inevitably at some point during this process, I remember the first time I ever gave him, there was this big um, like castle thing that, that I bought him that we, we were going to build together. And he's looking at the picture for like 10 minutes. He sat there looking at the picture of the castle. He, he'd see how, how, how it connected and where the pathways were and the drawbridge had come. He's like, Dad, I can't wait to see this. And he's got a picture of what it is. He's looking at the castle and he's all pumped about the picture of the castle. And I remember Boxing Day, we opened the boxes and did, didn't, a castle didn't pop out, just a bunch of pieces popped out. And I remember the look on his face. He's like, Trying to work out how do the pieces become the picture? 
And I, I remember the first time we started building, like five minutes into it, this little blight is gone. Like, we're supposed to be building this together, and he's gone. I'm like, dude, where are you? He's like, Dad, I'm bored. Can you just build it and call me when you're done? I thought, that, that's so many Christians. Where we start the year with a picture of what God wants to do in our life. We start the year with a vision. We start the year with, man, maybe my marriage could get better. Maybe my internal world could get better. Maybe my business could get stronger. Maybe I'm going to move into and get a qualification of education. And we start the year with pieces in our hand. And we look at the picture that's in our heart. And by March, God's like, where are you? God, it's taking too long. Can you just do it and call me when you're done? And I reckon what you'd hear back from heaven is just call me when you're ready and we'll do it together. Because God's more interested in what he builds in us through the process of going from the pieces to the picture than us actually having the picture. And I wonder how many people have started this year and you've just got pieces in your hand. You know what I love about Gina Marie? The lady who we heard. She sat in an office in Takanini and she heard the word debt free. And I promise you, if you spoke to Gina Marie, I don't know if she's in here today. I don't know if, I promise you, if you spoke to Gina Marie, any, what was in her hand was anything but debt free, but a bunch of pieces. And how does she get from the pieces in her hand to the picture in her heart? And I love story in Luke chapter 1 where Jesus, uh, where the, Jesus wasn't around yet by the way, uh, I love the story in Luke chapter 1 where the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to be the one that carried Jesus, was going to be the mother of Jesus, was going to be the one that God was going to use to inject Jesus, the Messiah, into the human story. And in Genesis chapter 1, the story goes like this, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name, I love how we hear that she's a virgin twice. I think it's just underlining that this is an absolute miracle. And the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, for the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled saying, uh, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this woman be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. Listen to what the angel's doing. He's creating a picture of where Mary was gonna go in the future. Do not be afraid for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. Listen to the picture that this lady is getting. Man, the child I'm going to create, the child that God is going to entrust me with is going to be the one that is called most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Listen to the picture that she is being created and and the house of Jacob forever and into his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I'm still a virgin. Now, I don't want to turn this into an anatomy lesson, but most of us would realize that if you're still a virgin, you're missing some components to create a baby. And Mary had the picture, 
but couldn't connect the pieces in her hand to the picture in her heart. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative in her old age has also conceived a son. And in this, the sixth month, with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I reckon there's some people in church today and you've felt barren in some areas. You felt like God has asked you to move into some areas and create something, but you felt like, man, there's a barrenness. There's an inability to create what you've called me to create. You need to hear this, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant in the Lord. Let it be unto me. According to your word, not according to my past, not according to my ability, not according to my current circumstance, not according to my challenge, not according to what I wish I had have done and what I wish I had have been and where I wish I had have made some different decisions or maybe the current opportunity will launch me into and if I, according to me knowing the right, but no, according to your word, let it be unto me. I wonder today how many people a part of life have heard God and his word for your year and your future and there's a picture in your heart and with the pieces in your hand you say God let it be according to your word that you turn what is in my hand to the vision you've given me in my heart let it be according to your word and your promise let it be according to that because here's the deal I think most of us are like my son Judah two months in we're like man this is hard work like flip God, you gave me a vision. Pastor Paul put us all on warning last week. There is going to be summits to conquer. Like there's going to be things this year where I have to push through. I have to break out. I have to deny that feeling that I used to have of you can't and you're not worthy. And I have to push through into all that he has for me. Why? Because God is more interested and just as interested in what he builds in me between the pieces and the picture than me just getting the picture. God wants a better you, a stronger you, a more equipped you, a more overcoming you, a less entangled with the stuff of the past you. And he's going to use the process of the pieces to the picture to get it out of you. Here's my whole message in one sentence. I will keep near so I can hear clear. Because the greatest connector of the pieces in my hand and the picture in my heart is the Holy Spirit. He is the greatest connector. So I will keep near to the Holy Spirit so I can hear clearly from the Holy Spirit as I take step by step between my January pieces and my journey to the picture that he has in my heart. If you've heard me speak any number of times, you would have heard this message. It's a, this scripture come out. It's, it's one of my life scriptures. John chapter 16, it says, Jesus speaking, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The things the Father has in mind, therefore I say he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. You know that the Father in heaven, 
knows exactly how to take these pieces and turn them into that picture. And I will stay near so I can hear clear. Now, flipping, there's another here. Welcome to my life with three kids in my... What is it with women and your molting? Seriously. How are you not all bald? Jeez Louise. And every male said... That's what I'm saying. Good Lord. Honestly. The shower was like a carpet by the time you people... Anyway, forget it. I will, I will keep clear. No, I will keep near. Hair's thrown me. Holy Spirit, what peace today? Gina Marie, I'm sure, now looks at some of the things that she thought would disqualify her from being debt free. But God used them and said, use that peace. How's that piece fit? It doesn't matter whether you can see how that piece fits. He can see how that piece fits. Here's three things the Holy Spirit will do for you this year. And here's three things the Holy... And will ask you to do this year in the journey from the pieces to the picture. Number one, He'll prompt you to do the natural. I think so many of us are looking for the grand, the big, the spiritual, the... Man, God, if you ask me to sell my house and then I'll give it away to the poor and then you'll perform a miracle and you still wouldn't do it. But then what he asks us to do is something very natural. Would you just wake up and speak more kindly to your wife? Well, yeah, I'll do that. But would you give me something like tougher to do? Something more spiritual to do? Well, listen, in the grand scheme of things, that's probably the most spiritual thing you can do in your moment because the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something very natural. Don't be paralyzed by I can't do anything when the Holy Spirit is asking you to do something that's real close in your ground. And don't, don't disregard it for, well, that's just a silly thought. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit may ask you to go and see a nutritionalist, to, to go and eat healthier, to join a gym, to, to turn Netflix off a little earlier and go to bed a little earlier would you wake up in the morning and would you just give me the first five minutes of your day well God I can do that but would you ask me to wake up at 4 a.m like Smith Wiggles no just get up five minutes earlier just the Holy Spirit works in very natural ways that have very supernatural outcomes don't be so spiritually minded you know earthly good He'll ask you to do something very, very natural. Well, I just, I thought God had ministry on my life. Go to Life Leadership College, shameless plug. There's an intake in July, honestly. Oh, but what, can't God just download all that stuff to me? No. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit's job is to bring back to remembrance the things that we've learned. Some of us need to do step one. Learn! And then he'll bring it back to remembrance. Do something very natural. Tell someone what's really going on. Well, I sit in church every week and I get this pounding heartbeat of, man, I need to go and find a group. I need to go and talk to a leader. I need to go down the front and get prayer. I need to tell someone 
that thought that I keep having that's destructive. You know what that pounding heart is? The Holy Spirit asking you to do something very natural. Yeah, but can't I go up the front and be prayed for and it just go away? Sure, if God wants to do that, He can do that. But until that, why don't you obey the natural that He's asking you to do? Because the natural is the next step of going from pieces to picture. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever notice that God's horrible with details? Like he paints this grand vision. Mary, you're gonna have a child. He's gonna be the one that they run the whole calendar off, AD and BC. He's gonna split human history down the middle. He's gonna bring salvation to not just the Jews, but to every race and every... Mary, you are highly favoured of the Lord. He left out the bit where she had to go to school and tell her mate she was pregnant. He left out the bit where she had to go home and say, hey, mum and dad, I'm pregnant and I haven't slept with Joseph. There's been teenagers trying that for generations since. (laughs) He left out the bit where she actually had to give birth. She she was 14, around that age, scholars say. Ken, 14? Something in there. I've watched birth happen three times. It ain't nothing I would wish on any 14 year old but God left that you you know what some of us who need to have every step lined up before we take the next one are robbing ourselves of a God journey because God knows you can't handle four steps down the road you can just handle the next one What's the next one? Write a letter. What's the next one? Go back to school. What's the next one? Get your health in order. What's the next one? Disconnect Netflix. What's the next one? Stop being addicted to social media. What's the next one? Talk to your wife nicely. What's the next one? Spend time with your children every single week. What's the next one? Get to church before 10 minutes after it started. It's pretty loud in the front, pretty quiet in the back. Yeah, but why is that so spiritual? Because you're ripping yourself. Now, listen, hear me. You can be 10 minutes early once. Late. You can be 10 minutes late once. You can be 10 minutes late twice. But if every single week you're late, can I suggest that it's now a pattern, not an instance, and you are ripping yourself off of being in the presence of God because by the time you get here 10 minutes late and you're flustered because you've got to put the kids in thing and you've got to park a car out there and you've got to find a seat, then you've got to settle your spirit. Worship's over. Oh, we're done. Why didn't I get anything out of worship? Because you weren't flipping here. I'm not, listen to me, this doesn't make me a bad pastor. I'm, honestly, I'm doing it because I love you. I want you in the environment of worship where God can speak to you. What are you showing your kids? That late is okay and church is optional? Come on, let's say, God, I'm gonna put you for, God, you are stirring me to be on time. I'm gonna be five minutes late next week, not 10, I'm gonna be five and slowly work our way back. God, the Holy Spirit will prompt us to do the natural. You say, I love you? No, you tell me you love me. I'm all insecure at the moment. 
Number one, he prompts us to do the natural. Number two, he helps us to believe we can do what we never thought we could do. You ever get a picture in your heart? Look at the pieces in your hand and say, no way. Because if you've been part of church, there's been temptations for us to do that a lot in the last few years. $45 million in legacy in three and a half years? I'm on the board. I know what's in our hand. And when you look at the pieces in your hand and the picture in your heart, you're like, naturally? Which is why Pastor Paul says, he believes that God has asked us, can you believe me? God paints a picture of a really healthy marriage and flourishing home and you look at the pieces in your hand, you're like, I, I just don't see it. In your soul world and your internal world and flourishing, but pieces, I, I just don't see it. You know, about 10 years ago, my mother died and uh, it was an interesting journey, my childhood and left with some challenges and some unanswered questions and some of her sicknesses and behavior had caused issues with my friends and in internal family and colleges I went to and places I worked and it just caused some challenges and the closer she got to death, the more I thought, man, what I need is just a conversation with her to bring closure to some of that stuff. I just, just want a conversation, like why? And I just want to understand, and I understand you were sick, and I understand there was some other things that were going on, but I, I just need to hear from you. You're, I just need some closure. I want a conversation. And then she passed away without me getting a conversation. And I thought, man, how am I, how am I going to go on? I, it was when we had our South Campus over at our Montgomery property, and I'd get up, and I'd preach my heart out, and I'd pray over people, and I'd believe God miracle for you, but I've got this storm going on on the inside. And the more I tried to push through, the bigger the storm got to the point where I thought, man, I'm going to have to take some time off. And if this doesn't settle, I'm going to have to find something else to do. Like I've, all I've wanted to do my whole life since I was 12 years old is preach the word and lead people. And, but if I can't settle this, I don't know whether I can do it without being a fraud. So I went to Pastor Paul. I'm like, hey, I think I need... He's, he knew the journey. This wasn't the first time he'd heard about it. And I said, hey, I think I need some time off. And in my mind, I'm thinking three to six months. I need three to six months out of the pulpit to go and see someone and see a counselor and just sort my stuff out. So I go into the office with, into his office with this preconceived idea of I just need three to six months off. I said, hey, um, Pastor Paul, I think I need some time off. This is what's going on. I've got this raging storm and it's just confusion. I just need some time to settle. He's like, he looks at me, you know, he's big rosy cheeks and he's loving and he's all happy. And old Captain Compassionate says to me, okay, cool. You can have two weeks and then I'm going to put you back on. I'm like two weeks. That's like 12 weeks shorter than I think I need. And Where's the happy guy out in the foyer who picks up kids and hugs everyone? I need that guy, not this guy. Like, come on. How many thank God for leaders who see stuff in you and what you need more than you see it yourself? Some of the worst things you can do is self-diagnose. You need someone who can help guide you. And now I thank God now that Captain Compassionate was compassionate then because that's what I needed. The second week of my two weeks off, I'm standing in a conference. And on my way to the conference, Band, you can come back and join me. On my way to the conference, I feel like, God, you need to speak to me. Because if you don't, I'm going to find something else to do. Because it, it, it just doesn't work, me speaking like this on a Sunday and having this going on in the inside. It's not fair on people. We, day one of the conference, nothing. There's some great speakers and all that stuff, but nothing. Day two, yeah, great speak, nothing. 
Day three, nothing. Last night in worship, I'm standing there. Arena of 20,000 people. I feel like in an instant, I have this vivid picture from God. It's like everyone else in the arena disappeared and it was just me and God. And I saw, as clear as I see you today, a picture of my mum, healthy, whole, delivered of her sickness, sitting at the feet of the cross, praying for my brother and I. And in that moment, the storm subsided and it has never come back since. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit empowered me to believe I could do what I never thought possible. I never thought I could get through it without a conversation. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit settled something that has been settled. Now there's been other fights and other challenges. Of course, I'm not up here preaching some rosy, I don't have any challenges. Trust me, see me afterwards, I'll give you a list of them. But in that particular one, in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, and I wonder how many of us need the Holy Spirit to join the pieces in our hand to the picture in our heart. And say, God, you can do it. I never thought I could do it, but I can walk out of here believing that that can happen for me. And number three, the Holy Spirit wants to overshadow us in areas of deficiency and lack. Mary said, it's impossible. I'm, I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I wonder how many of us stand here with the pieces in our hand and we go, it's impossible. I don't have the confidence for that. I don't have the skill set for that. I don't have the right connections for that. I want to see my school change and my workplace change, but I don't have the platform for that. It's impossible, God. Listen to what happened in Genesis chapter 1. There's a guy in the, in the book of Genesis, his name's Abram. God comes to him and says, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have children that will extend right across the world. We find in Genesis chapter 1, when Abram was 99 years old, 99 years old, still not one kid. 99. Pete, how old are you? 70, 70, 70, like Pete's 70, 0. Add another 29 years. Josh, show it. How old are you? 30. How many? 20? 28. So you add Josh's life onto Pete's life. And we find Abraham, Abram still with no children. I just want to paint a picture. That's how, that's, that's how far along his journey he was. And God says... The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, I am God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life and I will make a covenant with you which which I will guarantee you countless descendants. I am El Shaddai. That word El Shaddai means I am the God of more than enough. And 250 times in the Old Testament, God refers to himself as El Shaddai. You know why? Because it is a human condition to look at the things that we don't have and disqualify ourselves from the pieces to the picture based on what we don't have. So he comes and he says, where you are barren, I will give you bountiful. Where you lack, my abundance is enough. I am El Shaddai. I am changing your name from Abram to Abraham because I am injecting me into the story and what you are missing, I will give you so that you can join the pieces to the 
picture. And I wonder today how many of us need to walk out of here with a sense that, God, I can do something very natural. God, I can believe that I can do what I do used to believe I couldn't do. And God, where there is deficiencies and lacks, I don't have to come up with the answer. But Holy Spirit, You will come and You will overshadow and You will become the very thing that I am missing to join the pieces and the picture. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.